You're listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting with your hosts, Derek Harrison and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. So if I'm this far back, am I too low? Hey, 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 check uh, one, no, two. No, you're good. Okay. Phone um, silent. Indeed. Hi, folks. When Travis and I started this podcast, it was very important to us that it sounded good. A lot of podcasts are pretty shoddily recorded with iPhones or USB mics, <laughs> but as musicians and with musicians as guests, we knew, we hoped, that we'd be getting a lot of discerning ears listening to this thing. So we invested in some equipment off the top to make sure this would sound as good as it could. The two downsides of this are that it limits our mobility and that it increases the time it takes to turn around an episode because I need to edit and mix it. Well, you know, I don't... This like, week, our guest is Toronto-based songwriter <laughs> and vocalist Kira May, who you already heard on I Quit My Job singing backups in episode 23 with Charles Tilden. Kira and Charles share an apartment in Toronto, and Travis and I saw this as a perfect opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. Most of our episodes are recorded at my home studio, but we do travel to our guests pretty often as well. On this particular Saturday, I had to rush straight to the studio after recording interviews with both Kira May and Charles Tilden, to begin a two-day recording session with my band, The Old Salts. To make matters worse, our friend and IQMJ alumnus Ron Leary was in town, playing at a barbershop the night before, so I was also nursing a hangover. Still, Travis and I had a great time hanging out with Kira and Charles, and hope you enjoy being a fly on the wall to this chat. Unfortunately, because Kira's performances are so driven by vocal looping and processing, we don't have a live performance from her for this episode, but we'll still start you off with something from her debut EP, Health. This song is called Wolves by Kira May. I woke up in the city with a head full of hurt and a heart full of guilt for all the things I've built. Take me to the country where I can make a den, where I can see the planets and howl at Thank you. 
this is our podcast about Facebook yeah. <laughs> marketing, which is a fascinating subject. Mm-hmm. We were listening to the marketing show on CBC Radio One. Really? Right See, before you guys came. Were you insulted by me making? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. How do you feel about Facebook marketing, Kira? I don't know that much about it. <laughs> <laughs> Or do you mean like marketing myself? That's what, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean like I'm not very good as at a it. Musician. Not very good at it, but um, I feel like most of us aren't. I feel like that that's a common trait among musicians. I've noticed but that it's so important, supposedly. It is, well, I guess, yeah. but none of us are good at it. I don't know. I feel like we don't have very good business minds for the most part. That's why Possibly. people have like a team mm-hmm. publicist. That's why there's a whole industry of yeah arts publicity. Oh. Hello, <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, she's in the background of Max's episode already. Yeah, yeah, you can hear her. you can hear the, you guys chatting in the background. Yeah, it was the best baby. Mm-hmm. It was a great baby. It was a really cute baby. Um, mm-hmm. so tell me about the new record. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of babies, your birth you're in the process of birthing something. That's right. Um, it's like halfway done. So uh, there's like. I have 50% of things to say about it. Oh. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's going well. I'm in the process of recording, tracking, and working with um, Sandro Perry. He's oh. engineering and helping to produce the record, mm-hmm. and he's wonderful. So that's been, that's, it's my first time working in a studio, like a professional studio oh, yeah? that's not in my house. Is um, that an adjustment to? Yeah, it was really scary. Mm-hmm. I was like shaking every time I went in. <laughs> yeah, um, it seems like the, the pressure is probably a lot higher. Well, you're, you're paying for it. Yeah. You're, you've got someone else's time on the line. It's not just yours. Yeah, That's true. But he's also super chill and he makes the environment really comfortable. Who are you working with? Sandro Perry. Oh, right. You yeah. said that yeah. just a second ago. Yeah. <laughs> and like Charles would be there too. And yeah. that's comforting as well. Yeah. Is Charles right. having a bit of a co-producer role? Because I know he produced your EP. Is that right? Uh, he did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not this time around. He's busy with Delta Will. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's playing um, in it. He does bass and guitar and just some like synth bass and stuff like that too. Is it just the two of you? Um, officially, but I also have guest musicians um, coming in to play on the record too. So Tara Kanangera is a, a jazz trumpet player and vocalist, and she's actually nominated for a Juno. And mm-hmm. um, okay. she's playing trumpet on a couple of the songs. Um, there's a wonderful trombone player, Aiden Sibley. Um, also, uh, who else is playing? Stephen Foster is playing. It's oh, a really important name. Yeah. He's playing drums, and it's really exciting to play with a live drummer. Um, yeah. He has an amazing band called... Um, house, which he mm-hmm. does not play drums for, but he does drums for like doldrums and Moon King sometimes. Yeah, um, things Taylor like that. Taylor Ashton, yeah. mm-hmm. everyone, Jaron Freeman Fox. Yeah, it, it, he plays really. with everybody <laughs> behind the kit on like a third of every show I go to. And he's just the most swell guy. He's so positive and wonderful to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think with you, uh, more than anyone we've interviewed so far, I, I want to know about your songwriting process, specifically because it seems like you're building it out entirely off of vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how does that all start? Like, do you have a, do you get the vocal melody and the lyrics out of the way first and just kind of build around it? Or do you just kind of experiment until something works out? 
It's more a process of experimentation. A lot of people come up to me after shows and they say, you must have been doing a lot of drugs. You must have been really high when you were making this, which is not true. But people say that to me a lot. <laughs> um, mostly I just sit down with all of my gear without an idea. Um, <laughs> is he being good? <laughs> oh, <it's fine. laughs> yeah, I sit down with all of my gear around me and just play and see what comes out of it um a lot of it is loop based so most of mm -hmm. it i make even if um it changes in future and is replaced by live instrumentation or something like that it always starts with you're arranging with your voice with and my voice entirely. and my looper yeah yeah um so what do you do when there's a power outage <laughs> uh that's a good question i get, get out my voice memo on my yeah. phone <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> um it's funny though because the the process is so tied into the tools mm -hmm. that I think if there was a powder, power, powder outage, power outage, <laughs> I would just have to rethink, um, like I'd probably make something totally different. Yeah. So how did that develop? How did you end up, did you go from not writing music at all to having these tools? That's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I was younger, I've always sung, but I'm very, very, very shy and I mm -hmm. used to have really, really bad performance anxiety. So I couldn't play with other people or in front of other people because I was like, it was like a phobia, terrible. Mm -hmm. um, I can sympathize. Yeah. <laughs> and I had like an acoustic guitar and I would play along to myself, but I knew I'm not very good at <laughs> guitar. Mm -hmm. So um, I had all of these ideas and didn't really know how to express them outside of my bedroom um, until I discovered what looping was mm -hmm. and discovered that this was a way I could make the full-bodied songs that I wanted to. Um, with just your one with instrument. just my one instrument, my voice, and by myself because I was terrified of playing with other people, which thankfully is not the case now. I can do it now. <laughs> um, but that's where it all started. And How did you discover looping? Was it through another artist? I, I, it wasn't someone in particular. It was just... Um, just being alive, I guess, and like listening to music and knowing yeah. <laughs> what was going on. Um, but there wasn't a moment where it was like, this is looping. It, like, oh. it just kind of one day was like, I could do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I bought a bunch of like, I have all of these effects as well. And I remember listening to Kanye West, <laughs> my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, which is mm -hmm. one of my favorite records and listening to all of the sounds that he's using and being like, yes, I want to make something like this, mm -hmm. but but that's from me and not from Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting too because he he brings up. I remember watching an interview right after the album came out, and he talks about how Michael Jackson was was a big influence on him because Michael Jackson has this very percussive way of singing and kind of builds a lot of his instrumentation. Actually, arranges his songs also with his voice. Uh, so it's interesting that that connection is right there. It's like too, the generations it, yeah. of inspiration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought of when I when I, I heard uh, your Southern Souls um, mm -hmm. video, I, I went and watched it is that you start off with the breathing almost like it's percussion. And it just reminded me a lot of what Michael Jackson would do a lot, where he would do very similar things. Mm -hmm. Maybe like almost a, like a breath would be the, the snare hit or something. Cool. Yeah. I do like working with breath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something, it'll appear on the record <laughs> also. Because um, it, like it is so expressive and so percussive, but also textural. And mm -hmm. it can be so much that that's something things. that I definitely want to explore more mm -hmm. and more and more. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So how long, when was this revelation that you could start doing this? How long have you been doing it? I want to say the revelation was in like 2012 or something like that. Oh, so not that long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I had to, I had to work on myself. <laughs> yeah. So before that, it was just, you weren't doing any live performance at all. No, I wasn't doing anything. That's impressive. Um, I had so, to work on myself. So and pretty, I, pretty drastic for your turnaround, really. I had a lot of help. Yeah. I did like a group therapy program mm-hmm. um, at, around that time um, to get over my, because I think that like any stage fright is really tied into social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I did like a 12 or 16 week program. It was 12 weeks and then there was a follow-up a few weeks later. So like okay. it was more like 12 weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that really helped. It really helped me learn a lot. And that's what allowed me to get on stage for the first time. And actually the first show that I ever played was opening for Delta Will when he was a solo artist. Really? Yeah. I guess he's in the room. <laughs> I just realized that he's going to be interviewed as well, but when people hear this, they won't know that. They won't put it together. But he's in the room. That's why I said it like that. But he, yeah, I opened for the opener at the Holy Oak and... I was crouched on the floor and I was like so scared. I just sang the whole thing like in a ball. <laughs> really? Yes. And, and did it resonate with people? Yeah, a yeah. few people said really nice things to me. And and actually because of that show, I got another show that was like, mm. I wasn't just opening for the opener like <laughs> at 7.30. Right. <laughs> and it led to bigger things. So it was, it was great. <laughs> so it was an effective first show. Yeah, first shows are funny like that. Um, I just started out on open mics and stuff and being Oh, I did that too. Really I skipped terrible. that that era. Yeah. <laughs> like I skipped talking about it, but I did that as oh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a totally different thing too. I feel I feel like open mics you can screw up and it's, you know, it's, it's meant an open mic. For that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the first time I played at an open mic, I got so drunk and I was doing like a Tom Waits cover with my guitar that I couldn't play that well, and I was really afraid of forgetting the words because mm-hmm. when my stage fright kicks in, my mind goes blank. Yeah, it goes blank. I yeah, can't yeah, think of anything. Thing. What song was it? Um, Blood on the Ground? Do you know that one? No. I don't know. Is that either. a song? <laughs> <laughs> He's got such a huge catalog. It's very <laughs> possible. A yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I've probably heard it. Dirt on the Ground. Dirt on the Ground? Anyway, I played something <laughs> and taped the lyrics. Sorry, <laughs> taped the lyrics to the top of the guitar. Yep. And I, like, I was so drunk, I didn't even remember to, like, look at them. It was awful. So mm. bad. So, not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, were you always interested in music and just ha- didn't have a way to do it? Yeah. Until? Or I felt, like, blocked, I guess. Yeah. By mm-hmm. myself and my own anxieties. Mm-hmm. But I always, like, I've been singing since I could. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and would always make music and write my own songs oh, yeah? around the house. Yeah. Okay. But they... They were just for me, I guess, because yeah. like I, I was, it was terrifying if anyone even heard them at all, and I couldn't even listen to them if I recorded something on like a yeah. tape cassette or something. I couldn't even listen back no. to it. But you yeah. were writing, so you've been writing for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting better though. Th- those ones back in the day when I was like 13, they're not not so good. Yeah, I remember at that time I couldn't really play guitar, but I really, really wanted to sing and wanted to write. So I'd write up just these like terrible 13 year old, you know, rhyming couplet lyrics and, and I would sing them when my parents weren't home and I, you know, try to really hone that skill. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it took me probably another, 
eight, nine years before I ever got on a stage. And even then it was, I was shaking. I was terrified. I, yeah. I used to have really, really terrible uh, anxiety about it as well. I still do sometimes. How actually. did you, I don't want to say get over it, but how did you cope? <laughs> I think it was, uh, I'm also an academic and I started doing lectures and speaking in front of large groups a lot uh, in my mid twenties. And that's really, I think what, I mean, before that, even being on stage more often, just being there a lot uh, helped, but Definitely once I once I started doing the academic stuff and it's like, okay, I'm lecturing in front of 150 people and maybe I don't know that much about that particular topic. And, and I feel like that kind of, it just put, the more you're exposed to it, the more you just kind of get used to it and get comfortable with it. But it's never been something I've been entirely comfortable with. I yeah. still struggle with that for sure. I had the benefit of uh, being in other people's bands. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's how I got comfortable on a stage. That's good. And I was always a songwriter. And I, I mean, I wrote for years before I ever wrote a good song. Mm-hmm. But I was spending time on stage throughout all that time. So by the time I was ready to like, oh, I have my own You're thing like too. like an old pro, an then, old G. Well, no, it was still terrifying because <laughs> my voice was really weak and like, I'm just not a natural at all. It took a lot of mm-hmm. work. But... Uh, I would like to do that though. Like, I would like to be in someone else's band and have no responsibilities except for yeah. just singing and like yeah. showing up and just because I feel like my my persona could be so different yeah and it would be a whole new side of me so that would be a fun thing to do <laughs> you know what there is there's a lot of like kind of heavy metal-ish bands that are instrumental and they're looking for just something to set themselves apart oh <laughs> there you go and if you do you really effects driven weird vocals and stuff I bet, I bet that would work. I was listening to a podcast about it, actually. Well, <laughs> hit me up if you're listening. <laughs> Whoever you are. <laughs> if you're interested in that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there is a sort of freeing nature to that as well. I mean, I'm in a band now where there's four songwriters, and we kind of, even in one set, we're all singing uh, different songs. And just, you know, oh, this song, all I do is play guitar and sing a line of harmony. Like, it just, it you almost relax a bit. It's like the pressure's off you and you can just kind of do whatever you want uh, in that moment, which is a lot different than when you're the one leading it and you're the one kind of in charge mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. And I also find for now anyway, when we play live, I have a lot that I have to do. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it's become automatic enough where it's easy to like still slip into that special moment and be there with the song and Mm -hmm. be there with the sound that you're making but i can't go very far away from my station because i have so much to do so it would be nice to have like nothing (laughs) except a microphone (laughs) and see like how like i want to be more animated i think on Mm -hmm. stage and just go wild you're constantly worrying about hitting the pedals and making sure everything is set properly and also it's happened a few times where i've like hit something by accident and like (laughs) disaster strikes the <laughs> the looper shuts off it like switches to another song because mm-hmm. a chord like pushed something yeah that's happened like too many times <laughs> it completely derails the song at that yeah. point you just stop and uh or do you sort of figure it out on the fly well it depends to? but yeah. a lot of the time it's like okay like <laughs> let's st- i have to start it all again because they're loops <laughs> like, yeah. but usually the crowd is really with you and they're really mm-hmm. excited and sometimes when things like that i learned i think like kira of 2012 would have like died if that happened to her in public but um i think it's those moments that 
are most memorable, actually, mm-hmm. depending on how you handle them. Mm-hmm. I think if you're clearly bothered by what's happened, it can sort of put a weird um, mood in, yeah. out into the room. I know that I, I watched Andrew Bird screw up once on a loop. Oh, yeah. It was on some live live thing. And I mean, like the crowd loves it. They eat it they up. Because it's it. like this huge, iconic musician who never screws up. And here he is being human. He's just like the wrong me. pedal. <laughs> yeah, it, it, kind of feels, it kind of feels like yeah. you're gaining access. It's almost like a behind the curtain yeah. thing. It's like, oh, they're just like, they're human. <laughs> yeah, it's humanizing. People yeah. like it. And actually one time, so, like a song was being filmed to put on the internet. and One of yours? Yeah. Like we were performing at the Bell Jar Cafe. Um, and this is on YouTube, you can find it, <laughs> where we played like a really good set and we get to the last song and this happens where the song cuts out halfway through. Then I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I was in a really good zone and it's like, we want to finish the song because it has a really big ending. We really want to take you there. So mm-hmm. like, are you with us? We're going to like, we're going to take you there. <laughs> and everyone was really into it. They were like, yeah. And then, so we do it, we end the song well. Um, overall, I felt good about the show. And then later, I didn't know which song was going to be chosen to mm-hmm. put online. And I get an email from the videographer and she was like, so we chose the last song because honestly, that was like the best. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. the best moment. Everyone was with you. So yeah. um, that's that's online even though so i was like they're... maybe just don't pick that song and they were like i picked that song <laughs> so they kept it with the with the yeah it's not edited it's like mm-hmm. well yeah. and that too you're also getting to see a side of the crowd from a from their standpoint when you're putting that out there it's like it it shows that there is a crowd there and that they're really into it and i think that's probably yeah. something they'd want to show as well also i remember right before starting the sound guy i his name escapes me right now, but uh, he was like, don't you get nervous when you're looping? Like, anything could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Things you, you don't say. Yeah, and I'm like, no, it's fine. And then that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he jinxed it, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. But it's funny coming from, like, you were describing all this social anxiety and, and stage fright, and uh, and now you've just embraced this, like, fucking up in front of people thing. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty cool. We've come a long way. <laughs> and, and the fact that you, you went through therapy for it, too, I mean, <clears throat> I think that shows just how much you really wanted to do it. I mean, I think most people would probably just say, yeah, that's not for me. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to get up on stage. But you kind of had that sort of extra drive to do it. I definitely did. Yeah. I knew that it was what I really wanted. And mm-hmm. I also knew that it was making me really sad that yeah, I wasn't that doing it. Yeah. You knew you had something that you could offer yeah and i think actually when you have something that is really meaningful to you that you're passionate about and that you feel like you should be doing when you're not i think it was affecting other areas of social anxiety Mm -hmm. that i felt like i didn't really like meeting new people because i didn't feel confident Mm -hmm. with the like intro questions of what do you do and i'd be like oh well i'm not doing the thing that i feel i should be doing so i would feel very anxious answering those questions. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I started working on those things, then all of a sudden a lot of those other issues solved themselves because I was excited. proud of myself and the steps that I had taken. Can I ask mm-hmm. what you were doing? Well, I've, <laughs> I went to school for visual arts, which I love painting as well. Um, and then just having like odd jobs, like <laughs> working in art stores mm-hmm. or like record stores or bookstores and things like that. Yeah. Um, but no career to speak of because I knew that the only things that I am capable of doing 
are like visual art or yeah mm-hmm. um singing and songwriting <laughs> okay mm-hmm. so i wasn't doing much and i think i felt very like stagnant right yeah mm-hmm. i think and, that probably and... happens to a lot to a lot of people who feel that sort of artistic drive and they kind of get stuck not being able to do it so they just work sort of dead-end jobs that aren't really you know i feel like that happens quite a bit yeah no yeah. i've seen it happen a lot yeah but on the flip side i feel like having some sort of career direction maybe makes it harder to or at least for me <laughs> maybe <laughs> makes it harder to like take that leap oh it does for me for sure oh i see yeah. you know like if you are just stagnating then it's like well i can only go up or yeah. i can only like i have nothing to lose <laughs> you always have that door open to you yeah mm-hmm. yeah but i think also it was like well why why aren't i doing something else that it's like a real job in quotations <laughs> um, if I'm not actually actively working on the art that I should be making. Um, but I was like doing some visual art and making paintings. Um, so that was good. So what do you do now for um, income? Oh. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. No, it's okay. I have a day job. Yeah. Um, we all do. Yeah. Every guest has had a day job. Oh, so. that's good. <laughs> In good company. <laughs> at, some, at some point or another, anyway. Some don't now. Well, um, I work at the Royal Conservatory <laughs> of Music, um, just doing like arts admin stuff. But uh, it's great because I get free practice space, and the practice Ooh. rooms are really, really great. So it's music adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get to set my own hours, which is good. Mm-hmm. And the people that I've met there, who I work with, are incredible, and they're mostly musicians. And I've made some terrific friends there mm-hmm. who are also really inspiring mm-hmm. uh, musicians so it's been good yeah so it sounds like you got the right kind of day job for a musician i do i would say i'm lucky but ultimately my goal is to also be one of those guests who doesn't quits have to have job. a day job yeah. anymore <laughs> <laughs> i want to be my own boss right. when you do quit your job let us know and we'll we'll have you back. update Talk to you okay <laughs> okay so you have that first show opening up for delta will yeah (laughs) which helps you get some other shows um how long does that go on before the ep before you start working on the ep i worked on that ep for a long time so it's hard to say when it started um but i released it in january 2014 and i don't know it took such a long time it's all a blur and by the end i was like Mm -hmm. what like (laughs) i must be doing something wrong because like (laughs) this is a crazy process <laughs> mm-hmm. um but i also found at that time it was a challenge to figure out how to record loops properly mm. yeah and so that was something that i was figuring out as i went mm-hmm. and that charles was helping me to figure out yeah because i suppose technically you wouldn't necessarily have to use a loop pedal because you could just record over tracks that's right? correct yeah, yeah but i found back then i was struggling to keep the groove that yeah, yeah. would yeah. form and using stop and start over yeah, and yeah. exactly mm-hmm. right. i get that yeah but now I have a system because I make um, my demos at home and uh, some layers that will ultimately go in the final songs. So I make them at home and I like, know I know mm. what to do now mm-hmm. and I can do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So obviously we haven't heard anything from the new record. Yeah. <laughs> it's only half, only half done. But uh, is there a big leap? Is there a big difference from the EP? Yeah, I think it's really different. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, some of the 
dare I say moodiness that you hear in the in the EP is still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would say it also has a bigger sound. It's also like I said, there are more musicians playing mm-hmm. on it, which is great and helps it feel more alive mm-hmm. to me. Um, and it's 10 songs. Um, and also I've been taking voice lessons. So oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> How do you find that? I love it. Yeah. My teacher is amazing. Because yeah. I never studied voice before. And... Mm-hmm decided that if I wanted to keep my instrument healthy, mm-hmm. it's time yeah. to learn how to use it properly. But it's also helping me not only sing effortlessly, but really harness my power and mm-hmm. like figure out how to color notes and do all sorts of and crazy things. Better learning... projecting and all that kind of thing. Oh, too. yeah. yeah. I've, I've always wanted to take singing lessons for that reason. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I can hook you up with a good teacher yeah. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> She's the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to think like how else it's, it's very different, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm like so in it right now. <laughs> yeah. So there's more, in more the instrumentation. Yeah. <laughs> it's more, more instrumentation. So it's more like a full band with your voice sort of as a centerpiece rather than your, your voice driving the entire thing. Uh, well, both. <laughs> yeah, a little both. There's yeah. still like a ton yeah. of vocal airs and every song has like 60 yeah. tracks. Like yeah. <laughs> But you're gonna have to figure out how to pare down because that's a lot for for mixing. But um, I think they're just bigger songs, and I think I've also improved as a songwriter. And I'm trying, I, like, what the songs are meant to convey is more planned out. With the EP, it was like, here are five songs that I have, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. like, they I think they they went together because just due to the headspace that I was in when I made them. Um, But in this case, I had like a a goal and a vision. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I feel like it's more cohesive because every song plays a very specific role. Okay. Mm -hmm. So did you consciously write an album? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I like working, I discovered, um, with a concept first Mm -hmm. and like a title and then figuring out how I can investigate that concept with each song. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a really fun way to work. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how I work on an individual song basis. Anyway, I'll I'll often come up with a title for a song before anything. I'm like, oh, I should write a song called that. And then (laughs) then I'll go and do that. And then it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like then you're kind of driven thematically to sort of stay inside a certain box, which for me, that constraint can help. I like that too. I'm a fan (laughs) of boxes. Yeah. Because when you have limitations... um. And I think this is why I don't have that many pieces of gear, like, because they can do a lot and I want to figure out everything that they can do before moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have limitations set up, you have to break through them. You have to like, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy working that way too. Yeah. And if you have all that, all that gear and you're sort of, it can become a crutch after a while and you start, you start, maybe you rely on your voice less and more on the tone you can get from a specific pedal yeah. or something. It's like Freaks and Geeks mm-hmm. when Jason's uh, Siegel's character. Mm-hmm. But he has uh, like the forty-piece drum set, and he doesn't know how to play <laughs> drums. Play yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to have, well, I still do, but like I had a loop pedal, and I did, I tried to do some stuff um, with a couple of other pedals early on, and 
I don't think I really got good until I actually stripped all that away. And I was like, whatever my voice and guitar can do is that's my box now. Mm -hmm. And until I'm really good at that, I don't want to start adding things. Yeah. Um, Because I found that over-reliance happening a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm. I think maybe one day in future it would be fun just to see um, what I can do with my voice without any tools. Mm-hmm. Just a, like single, a single track. Something like Christine Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever hear her sing, she does a lot. Like she's doing so much with the Elements Choir now. But if you hear her perform, she can do crazy vocalizations. And she's not looping. She's not doing anything. She's just singing. And it's she's, like she's one of those people who can like harmonize with her own voice. She can split her voice. I don't know if she can split way. her voice, but she can do a lot of really crazy, thing? unique. That's things. a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I would like thing. to learn how to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's incredible. I thought it was fake. And then I actually witnessed someone like Tibetan doing it. monks can yeah. do it sometimes. Yeah. They can split their voice and sing with two different in harmony with yeah. each other. Charles nice. gave me a very excited look and odd. Uh, like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Maybe he's like, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. 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 Um, if you could do that, you you win. I feel like that's that's the ultimate goal for someone whose voice is their one hundred percent main instrument. If you can harmonize with yourself, then yeah, and then you have, you have won. To answer your question about like, what would I do if there was a power outage? Then I'd be like, I'll do this. Work I'll on. split my voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Create your own vocal loops internally yeah. somehow. Oh man. You know, probably Imogen Heap will figure out how to do yeah. that. <laughs> you got to beat her too. Yeah. <laughs> um. Is she an influence to you? Um, I, to be honest, haven't listened to all of her repertoire. I think she's cool, and I know she does a lot of um, really ingenious thing her voice and with technology surrounding her voice. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I have, I have to be honest and say I haven't like taken the plunge and listened to all of her music yet. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that musically it's something that that's influenced me yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i like how adventurous she is Mm -hmm. from things i've read and certain songs that i've heard Mm -hmm. yeah we've had mostly like just because of the people travis and i know uh it's been a very folk heavy podcast so far so i'm curious um with both of you about where a lot of your influences lie i love bjork (laughs) yeah i was actually gonna say that yeah that makes sense yeah and i love bands like animal collective Mm -hmm. i would love to make a record as noisy as (laughs) as theirs um i would say they're an inspiration for sure i love hip-hop and i think it's very similar to looping in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um and i love a lot of the sounds like the like 808s and (laughs) that kind of thing yeah that i also love to use um and i love minimalist classical music and i actually think that influences me a lot and is really tied into it's like similar to leaping also because there's always such slow progressions that Mm -hmm. evolve over time and you've got like two or three voices floating around each other but Mm -hmm. i think it's the kind of music you either love it or you hate it and i definitely definitely love it i was gonna say there's, there's a bit of that in just the way you construct a song it almost has that sort of classical feeling to it like you're trying to get somewhere with it and it's not necessarily a linear thing where you, okay, I found a melody. I'm just going to run with that. You kind of build it, construct it on yeah. on top of each other, which in a, in a classical sort of way. 
That's cool that you said that. <laughs> and then the, actually the first thing I thought of when I when I saw the first video I watched was Bjork. I was like, yeah, it's a, again, in, in the way that you construct your melodies, the way they sort of, there's a lot of chromatic sort of up and downs and that sort of things, things that I'm not capable of doing. So I'm always mm-hmm. fascinated when other people can do them. But, but yeah, it's a, that's... Yeah, when I first heard Bjork, um, I was in high school. And up until that point, I really liked a lot of like alternative rock music. But mm-hmm. all of the bands had dudes in them, and there yeah, were yeah. hardly <laughs> any women that I really liked. I liked mm-hmm. Astero. Mm-hmm. I liked Mariah Carey also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I liked a lot of this music where women just aren't represented very well. And when I heard Bjork, I was like, oh, my God. Like, she's just so powerful mm-hmm. and, she's and weird and just like... And she's She's just an artist. Yeah, she just has this constantly creative. Everything she does, even her, you know, presentation and the way she walks is, is this artistic performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could rave about her all day. But it was nice to hear a woman, Mm -hmm. um, just so creative and powerful and such a huge force. And that was really good, a really good role model for me to have at that time, and still Mm -hmm. is. Sometimes when I'm like, oh, I have to make this hard decision, I think, what would Bjork do? <laughs> Get a race up. I should. WWBD. That was our interview with Kira May. What you're hearing now behind me is the closing track on Kira's latest EP, Health. It's a song called Visions. For more information on Kira and to hear her music, you can head over to kiramay.bandcamp.com.
for us, you can find us at all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle IQMJPod. You can hear us on SoundCloud by going to soundcloud.com slash IQuitMyJob with dashes between those words. And you can find out all the info you need about the podcast by going to IQMJPod.com, where you will also find archives of all 25 episodes to date. Finally, if you subscribe on iTunes, it would be very helpful if you could rate and review us so we can get the word out about how awesome we are. And we'll be back in two weeks with episode 26, featuring Toronto singer-songwriter Jay Pollock.